This podcast is produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, fashion for great sounding podcasts. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for joining us. Today, we are going to have a nice chat with Mike Domish, the founder and president of the Date Safe Project. Mike is one of those stereotypical entrepreneurs. He came out of college, started his own business. I guess for a little while, like a year or so, he went to work for somebody else, but you know, always had that pang, quickly went out and started his own DJ business. And then later he moved into the Date Safe Project and speaking and educating both people in high schools and colleges and the military on, well, I'll let Mike describe what the Date Safe Project does. I think the name sort of gives it away, but it's sort of better things for, for dating and sexual awareness. And really, he does a great service for the people who have seen him and participate in his programs. So Mike lives in Wisconsin. However, he is joining us today from Italy, which is kind of exciting. I don't think we've had anyone ever call in for the show from Italy. We have interviewed someone in Ireland, but uh, Mike, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Well, thanks for having me on, Tom. I'm absolutely honored. So Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about the Date Safe Project and, and what your business does? Yeah, so what we do is we're an educational company that provides how-to skill sets for universities, school systems, uh, crisis centers, educators addressing sexual assault, and the U.S. military all over the world. And those how-to skills provide are based on teaching consent, uh, living with consent, implementing those skills so people actually know how to ask for what they want, what they don't want. The second thing we do is we teach bystander intervention skill sets. And the third is we teach people how to open the door for loved ones so that if this ever has or if it does happen to them, sexual assault, that is, that they're able to come forward and be fully supported. So, Mike, how did you get into this as a business? Well, when I was in college, I have three older sisters, and the youngest of my older sister was raped. And I, at the time, couldn't believe what I was hearing. I actually found out over the phone because I was away at college at the time, so they had to call me. And I was in shock. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to react. I was filled with anger and rage. And over time, I would learn that an outlet that I had for that, it would be about eight months later, I would realize that I could use my voice to try to do something about this. Uh, keep in mind, this was in 1989 when it happened. So early 1990 is when I realized I could use my voice. And 1991, I sort of had that exploration process. And I started speaking as a college student. And that was when I first started doing this work was as a college student, speaking out on campus, working in local middle schools, high schools, even some elementary schools discussing this topic. And that's where it all began. So this is kind of a tough topic for anyone to talk about, especially someone who, you know, nine months after their sister went through a rape. How and, and for a guy talking about this, how did you sort of deal with dealing with this topic and bringing it to people, especially at such a young age? Well, yeah, there were a couple things happening at the time. One, our society in 1990 wasn't talking about this topic too much, including universities, including the military. So it was a bit of a taboo topic. Is any still is to some degree now, but back then even way, way more so. Uh, and, and I looked when I was 20, like I was 15. So at that end of the mix, it made it even more difficult. Uh, and what I did is I went to professors on campus and teachers I knew in my local school, high school that I graduated from and said, could I just talk about this with your class? And they gave me a shot. 
And that's how it began. But it was definitely a rough road. I would speak at a university. They'd give us great reviews. And then other schools would say, yeah, we're still not touching you. You're too young. And so it really created quite a roadblock. It's why we did step away from it for quite a while because uh, they weren't ready to talk about it. And certainly they weren't ready to hear from a 20-year-old no matter how the results were that we were getting from groups and audiences. It didn't matter. It it was too taboo and I looked too young. And they they had the fear factor of what if something went wrong. So you bring up an interesting point, Mike, and that is that, you know, here you had a passion for a topic that that really was important. You were having great results when you had the opportunity to bring it to, to audiences and to classrooms. And yet the timing wasn't right. So you walked away from it for a while. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I did. What happened was uh, my wife and I, at the time, my fiance, were about to get married and I sat down and looked at the reality and said, I don't know that I can support a family. We wanted to have children. And so I stepped out to do something else to help me get to that point and still doing the speaking just a little bit on the side here or there. And a few years later, what would happen, actually, after we get married, just a couple of years later, I would start working as a DJ, a mobile DJ entertainer. I, the company that did our wedding, I liked what they did. And I said, that looks like fun. Well, after working for them for a little while, I decided, you know what, I want to do my own. And so I started my own mobile DJ entertainment company. And along with another couple, after about half a year, we bought them out. So it was just ours. And it grew very quickly. We had six teams of wedding DJs that could go out and do weddings all on a given night. So we ran a very high-end wedding DJ company. And what happened was, towards the last few years of that, I started uh, speaking, doing some corporate gigs through people who knew me as the DJ entertainment company. And they said, why don't you speak full-time? You know, there's something you're good at. And I said, gave them the story. And they said, well, the world's changed. You should look at speaking again. And that lit the bulb to get look at the National Speakers Association and start looking at the speaking industry. While doing that, a speaker that you know, Patty Hendrickson, uh, saw me speak at, uh, brought me to speak, I should say, at the con- National Convention to the youth. And after seeing me, she said, why aren't you doing this? Why isn't this your full-time profession? Her and another speaker, Randy Havison. And that's two weeks later. I sold my business to my employees. Almost went broke, literally, over the next six months. But we believe this is where we always wanted to be, and we went for it. And that was in 2002. So you've always had this pull kind of to do your own thing as an entrepreneur then? Absolutely. As a child, I was the kid that when there was fundraisers, I was the kid that should not be in local taverns and bars, in the local taverns and bars, outselling everybody just to win the prize. I wanted to win the TV or the stereo or whatever it was. Because I love that challenge of, of that, that sales process, the marketing. Uh, and then when I would get older, I'd have a newspaper out and I'd have, make money doing lawns and whatever I could. So, yes, that's always been a part of me. So what do you think it is inside of you that, that drove you to just sort of, you know, create your own businesses from, you know, the early days until now you have this, this booming business? Uh, I think a couple things. And that is that I've always been hyper. And being hyper, it's difficult to sit and do a a standard job that somebody wants you to repeat over and over again. And so I think as a child, the idea of being able to do my own thing when I wanted to do it gave me variety. And it gave me the excitement of a challenge all the time. And I think that's what sort of started me on the path. So what is it that you absolutely love about the life you've created, working for yourself, being an entrepreneur? Well, I love the difference and the impact we get the opportunity to make around the world. There's nothing else like it in and that truly is a dream. And, and as busy as we are and as much as we're on the road, we do get to control when we don't want to be on the road. Uh, as people will say, Mike, you know, you, you're speaking 110 days a year. 
how does that work with your family? Well, when I'm home, I work out of my home. So I get to be home 240 days a year. So I make at least half of all their high school sporting events. I get to coach or assistant coach some of their teams as they were growing up throughout middle school. And even now in high school, I get to with my, my freshmen. So I get to be very active in their life with a very busy schedule. And that's, that's a gift. And I very much understand everybody's able to do that. So I'm very appreciative of that. Well, and know, this lifestyle gives me that. You know, you bring that up and it comes up over and over again on this show. And I, I often share that, you know, for me, it's the same thing as people say, oh, you know, Tom travels so much. You know, how do you do that with your family? And, and you know, my wife says two things. One is that when I'm home, I'm, I'm home. I have dinner with the family probably more often than I actually did when I worked in corporate America. Because when you're in a sales or marketing job, you have to go out to networking events. You have to take clients out to dinner. You're away at a three or four day conference every now and then. Projects come up and your boss says, hey, I need this proposal tomorrow. And you stay late and help them get it out. You know, all of a sudden you're, you're not home that much and you're gone 12, 13 hours a day. And my wife will say that when I'm home, I'm home. When my youngest daughter was in elementary school, I probably drove her to school. We lived too close for a bus, but too far to walk. And I probably drove her to school 75% of the time. Now, when I was away, I'm away. But when I'm home, I'm, I'm actually home. The other thing my wife will tell you is that I'm actually happier working for myself than I was working in corporate America. So the combination of two really leads to sort of a similar type experience for the family. Exactly. And the nice thing is, uh, even when you're, you're home, you have the freedom of literally, if you need to go at two o'clock to do something with one of the kids, or every now and then with my work, if we save up the miles, I'll give you an example. The kids just had spring break, the two that are in high school, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And they flew down and joined me for part of my work. And then we had a blast at night and on the weekend. And those kind of experiences we couldn't have with all the miles, if the miles weren't saved up. And if, if I didn't have the freedom to say, hey, guys, come on down. And having clients that love that. You know, I was able to tell my clients, can I bring them on base the one day? And they, can they go to the Naval Aviation Museum? They're like, absolutely, they should do that. That's incredible. All those kind of moments or some travel they've been able to do internationally as a family, we wouldn't have. And so... As difficult as everybody out there who's ever been an entrepreneur knows it can be, the rewards, the gifts, the freedom, the, the team you get to choose to surround yourself with. We have a team that supports my work that without them, I can't do the amount of travel I'm doing and be free when I'm home. I couldn't do it. Uh, and so I give them so much credit and you get to handpick that team. You know, and that, that's wonderful. One, one of that team members is my wife. Another team member is one of my sisters. Uh, and the, the other team member is somebody we've hired who's just knocking out of the park. And it's great to have these handpicked, you know, aces on your team that make your work that much more fun and fulfilling. So, you know, we talk about all the cool parts of working for yourself, but there's some downside. Are there any things about it that you don't like, that you hate? Or are there ever days you wake up and say, you know, I could have become an accountant? <laughs> Um, for me, it's, it's a tough question now. I think early on, it's, it's an easier question to answer the fear factor early on as an entrepreneur that, that hit hard, you know, how are we going to make it through these periods? Um, you still at all times are saying, Hey, how do I create a long-term future? But as you're more established, there's less of a fear factor of it. It's more of a planning thing. I would say it still comes down to, even though you are there a lot, as you said, you might be there more often than you would with the regular job. It's the few times you are missing something and you feel like you should be there, even though you're still, you still have that. It's the self-guilt. It's not your family. Like they appreciate how much you're there. They're not complaining. They understand. It's your own self sort of beating up on yourself saying, why can't I be there for this too? 
Um, I think sometimes that's that can be difficult. The other thing is uh, when you are growing and you're investing financially into a new part of your company or a new idea you have and taking the risk with that, if it doesn't work, um, there's nobody covering your paycheck. <laughs> you know, you've got to make that work. And so you have to be careful with that. And uh, and that part can be scary. Financially, can always be when it's all on you. So you have the opportunity with, with your business to travel all over the world, and you do a lot of work for the U.S. Uh, military. Uh, is that what brings you to Italy right now? That is. That's what I'm doing over here right now. I'm over here for t- uh, two and a half weeks working for the military right now. And that's the longest I'll go. I, I typically don't even go over two weeks. And this is one of the examples of what we were discussing earlier. I set strict boundaries. We have rules on when I'll travel, when I won't travel, when I'm home, when I'm not home, so that we can not overpush myself so you don't wear out uh, the system you, you know, that you're setting up so that you can have success. Uh, but yes, right now we're, we were just in the Middle East a month ago, a week and a half ago I was in Japan. Uh, and so, yeah, the work does take us all over the world. So when you're overseas, do you get a chance to uh, sort of play? Do you get to be a tourist a little bit of the time? On the weekends you do. Uh, typically one day of the weekend you're not traveling to the next location. Because when I'm over here, I'm not over here at one location for two weeks. Uh, they maximize. So I will be in four locations in those two weeks. So it's two days of training, travel day, two days of training, weekend, Sunday, travel day. So it's still very busy, but you'll get that Saturday. We get to explore. Or tonight we went to dinner in this little local place in the, on the countryside where it was farm to table and you were literally on the farm <laughs> and you're out looking over a volcano, no exaggeration, Mount Edna, an active volcano snow capped is out on one side of you and farm fields of Sicily on the other side of you, it's just gorgeous. And that's your dinner, you know. And so you get moments like that where you're going, this is pretty cool. Now, there's other nights where you're eating at Subway on a military base. <laughs> so it just depends on the circumstance. But uh, but you take these moments when you get them, you really appreciate them. Yeah, but I know from the outside looking in, people think, wow, two weeks in Italy, you know, you go give an hour speech. What a great thing. You must be, you know, must be uh, out and about doing all this stuff. And, and I don't travel internationally very often, but, you know, I'll have the opportunity to be in New York or, or in Chicago. And people say, oh, must be nice. And it's like, oh, yeah, it must be nice. You know, I might as well be in a Holiday Inn in any city in the country because, you know, what I do being a master of ceremonies or my conference catalyst program you know, I don't just speak and leave. I'm, I'm w- involved with the conference the entire day. So why people think, oh, how fun you're in all these exotic locations. I usually have in any one city about three free hours when I'm there, even if I'm there for two or three days because of, you know, I'm there for a purpose for the client. Well, that's just it. And, and especially when I'm stateside, I might be literally working for colleges and military installations so much so that on a Monday I'm in one state, Tuesday I'm in another state, Wednesday, Thursday, every day I'm flying to another state. And so I get up, I'm on a plane by 5 a.m. and I land by 11 a.m. I have to be on the campus by 3 p.m. and it might be two hours from the airport. I'll get done between 9 and 10 p.m., drive back, get there 11 midnight sometimes, be back on a plane at 5 a.m. and do that for four straight days. Well, I know recently That's- recently I had the opportunity to grab a quick dinner with you and you had finished speaking in San Antonio, which is about 90 miles south of where I live in Austin, Texas. And you were driving on to Fort Worth, which is another 
three and a half hours north. So you had about a five or six hour drive. And, you know, I, I met you at a Jason's Deli on the side of the freeway in Austin so that it wouldn't take too much time, you know, and we were able to, you know, chat for 40 minutes. And I thought, wow, you know, you finish up, you know, at dinner time in one city and you were speaking at breakfast in another city and you had a drive in between. And I was thinking, boy, the glamorous life that speakers live. <laughs> yeah, I got in that night around 1230 uh, to my hotel. I remember. And that was a great dinner. I was so glad you were willing to do that and that, your generosity. So thank you. Uh, yes, but you're right. You get in at 1230 and I was doing morning sessions. I think my first session that next morning was like, it's like 730 or 8am, which means you got to be there at least an hour in advance. Uh, yeah, but, but here's the difference, right? You love what you do. And so the high of the natural rush of getting to do what you absolutely love doing your unique ability that can bring whatever adrenaline you need, you know, now don't get me wrong. You need to take care of yourself. You need to eat smart. Uh, you need to rest. You need to do all those things. But at those moments when you're not going to get that rest, uh, that can really kick in and make a huge difference when you love what you're doing. Wow. Eat smart. There's something I don't do on the road. <laughs> you, you, you mean you mean the hamburger followed by the shake and then having a couple of cookies while not going to the gym and, and drinking a few too many glasses of wine? That's a bad idea? <laughs> well, I remember the night you and I met, I was loading on vegetables. And you made a comment about, you know, you eat healthy, but you eat a lot healthy. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you, you had like a that. lot of healthy. That was a big pile of healthy going on. <laughs> but that's... But for me, I'll know if I haven't had that, I need to do that. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it becomes important so that otherwise my adrenaline will, will carry me through anything. But sooner or later, the body's going to crash, right? And if, I, if I'm aware of what I'm doing and can load on the smart, healthy side of things, it really, really reduces any chances of that happening. So really quick, let's talk about health because I think you do a better job than, than I do and certainly than some of our peers who travel as much. You know, how much effort does an entrepreneur really have to put in to thinking about their health, especially as we're, you know, we're all getting older? I almost wonder sometimes if I think about it too much because I'm that aware of it. When I go out to dinner, the, the crew I'm with here tonight, they're just an awesome team, the leadership team that I travel with here, the military crew. I mean, they joke about it because uh, I, don't, I don't even drink soda usually at dinner. It's pure water. And so these waiters or waitresses come out, and here you get a huge bottle of still water. And they will tell them, just give him a bottle to himself, and he's going to need more than one. And the people always think they're kidding, and they're not kidding. I'm going to go through two of those massive bottles. Um, at, at a sitting because I, I just want to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm having so little time. And you're not always going to get the veggies you want when you're overseas. You know, the other countries don't have everything available to you all the time like we have. So then you got to really think and go, I'm not going to get the veggies I would normally get. I'm eating a lot of other stuff. Now it's much more fresher, so it's healthier over here. Same stuff that would not be healthy in the States is healthy here. The difference on your body is incredible that I've seen. Um, but I'll make sure then make sure I'm drinking lots, make sure I'm hydrating. You know, I'm really letting the system get what it needs. So I'm very cognizant of it. Um, how many workouts have I gotten in this week? Uh, what kind of workouts? I'm, I'm asking myself those questions. Uh, like I said, sometimes I think, you know, do you worry too much about it? But I'll tell you, when I'm doing it right, it feels it feels so good. It just re, uh, the rest of the day just rejuvenates you. It's like, all right, now now what am I going to do? It makes your work that much easier to dive into because you're just your energy loaded after that. So, in addition to hydration, what's your single best health tip for an entrepreneur? Well, I mean, for me, I thing that changed for me this year was I saw a nutritionist. And they looked at my, what I was eating and they said, you know, you're not, your situation is not what everybody would normally come in with, which is, 
you eat a lot of veggies and you eat a lot of fruits and you have all these healthy things, but you almost have no fat in your diet. And you need to do the direct opposite. You need to load with healthy fats. With the way your brain is spinning all the time, it needs those healthy fats. Does that, and wait, wait, wait. Does that mean Oreo cookies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if Oreos are made with avocado. Oh, that would be oh you mean the real healthy oh. fats. Dang. Yeah, so I was thinking. I was thinking bluebell. I was thinking bluebell ice cream with uh, with a little bit of cookie sprinkled on top was going to give you that fat you need. So you just nailed my weakness, which is ice cream, and that's something I still struggle with when I'm stateside. I don't overseas because you don't see as much. Wait, wait, you're in Italy. You got to go have gelato. There's nothing like it. I've been to Italy three times. There's nothing as fantastic as gelato. Correct. Correct. Gelato's great. But it's not, it's not in every restaurant. See, in the United States, ice cream, you can get anywhere, right? Gelato, you got to go to a gelato place. Yeah, so but they're on every corner. It's different, but we're rural. See, so everything changes in that, in that world. <laughs> but so what, here's what happened. I switched to fat, these really healthy, I mean, lots of healthy fatty foods during my day. And some like intestinal issues I had had for 20 years and just thought that's who I am uh, went away instantly. Instantly. So avocado, what else falls into that? So your olive oil falls into that. You're even having your, the, like, bacon. But as long as you're having a lot of vegetables, <laughs> that's going to flush the bad stuff out and you still get the good stuff. You heard, right? it, and here. So, you heard it right here. Bacon is good for you. It is if it's used right, you know. And so that's where a lot of nutritionists aren't big fans of pure vegetarian because they're like there are certain qualities that you're getting out of meat, certain fats and bees and stuff that you need. But the problem with all the – and I made this mistake. I used to watch the, watch the food documentaries that say no meat. Here's where all the cancer shows up. Well, they said what well, the part they forget to talk about in those is those are situations where meat overtook as it does in the United States. If you're eating tons of veggies and having a little bit of meat, that's going to clean out all the bad stuff. It's going to cleanse it out naturally. Your body will do that. But if you're replacing veggies with more meat, well, they can't do that. Then. <laughs> so you're going to be keeping those things inside. It makes total logical sense. Well, as you know, when a lot of our friends come and speak in Austin, Texas, I always take them to the Salt Lick, which is an all-you-can-eat barbecue joint south of Austin by about 20 miles. And I will tell you, I've put a bunch of our friends into meat comas because I don't think there is – <laughs> I don't think they sell a vegetable. Cold slaw is not a vegetable. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I, I've put many of our friends into meat comas for the evening after taking them out for all-you-can-eat barbecue. Yeah, meat can do that. That's for sure. So, hey, I have a bunch more questions I want to ask you. But first, I've got to thank my sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. And how do I know this? Because I never could have started Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do if I hadn't discovered the people at Podfly. Podfly sets you up with the right equipment, the right training, and the guidance to assure you're going to sound amazing when you're interviewing cool people like Mike Domish. Podfly does all the heavy lifting, and here's the part for me, they do all the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, having great interviews, and growing your audience. I got to tell you, I was scared to actually start this podcast because I thought I never will be able to do all the editing and create the bumpers and do all the things that one has to do until I found Podfly. And they have an exclusive offer for the listeners of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. If you go to podfly.net slash cool things, they'll tell you all about their offer. And tell them that I sent you because I am a big fan of what they've done. I've had a good time hosting this show and I never could have done it without the people at Podfly. So let's get back 
to Mike Domish. So, Mike, if someone's listening to this show, they certainly are going to feel healthier now that we've talked about all the stuff you do to, to keep your body moving while you're traveling and working so hard. But beyond that, what advice do you have for somebody who maybe they have that little, that little ping? Maybe they're a little hyperactive like you were, and they're stuck somewhere, and they want to do their own thing. What advice do you have for them? I would say read the book Unique Ability. So it's just like it sounds, Unique Ability. I think it's Shannon Waller is one of the authors, and Catherine, I'm forgetting Catherine's last name. It takes you on an exploration that is fantastic and wonderful. And by the way, to back up, I should say, for anybody listening, I am no health nutrition expert. So I'm just sharing my experience. <laughs> I don't know. Goes. Of all of my friends, our- I'd put, of our friends, I'd put you up at the top of the list of our speaker friends. So maybe we're just all really low on the list. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, but this book, Unique Ability. So what it does is it takes you on a journey. And let's say that you have four quadrants to describe what you're good at, and what you're horrible at. And the, the lower right quadrant is what you're horrible at. Okay. And the uh, left quadrant, lower quadrant, is what you're okay at. The upper left is what you are excellent at, excellent at. And your upper right is what you are exceptional at. You could do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You could keep reading about it and not get sick of it. You constantly want to learn about it, grow from it. It is where you thrive. That's where your unique ability sits. And a lot of people are doing the upper left quadrant, which is what they're excellent at, and taking away from their unique ability time. So, for instance, I can build a website. I know, I know how to do websites. I did my own websites for a long time. I'm, I'm pretty good at that, uh, but that's not where I belong. And so if I'm spending time in that, that means my unique ability is not being optimized, and I'm not excelling and thriving where I should be at. And this book takes you on the process to figure out what unique ability is. And it was true of you when you were eight years old. You had the same unique ability. It's innately in you. And it's true when you're an adult. So people will make the mistake of saying their career is their unique ability. So, so for instance, Tom, you and I were speakers. Somebody will say, oh, so speaking's unique ability. No, it's not. Speaking's the medium where my unique ability appears. But it's actually not my unique ability. So my unique ability is, is sort of the talent plus the why. So I'll give you mine. Mine's just a few words. And my unique ability is creating aha moments that uncover discoveries. So creating aha is what you do from the stage. And the uncovered discoveries is the reason why you're creating the aha is to uncover the discoveries for the audience. Now, I used to have revealed discoveries, but that would be more about me. And the way my program works, the audience is having the discovery. It's not really me revealing. It's them having the aha. So it was uncovering the discoveries. So it's to create aha moments that uncover discoveries. And that can apply to my writing, to my speaking. You know where that applies a ton for me? I love to travel with my family. Try to guess why. Because I love watching everybody have the aha moments that uncover the discoveries. Makes total sense that I love to plan those trips for my family. Uh, And so you start to see this and you go, all right, how much of my personal life am I spending on that? How much of my professional life am I spending on that? It should be the far, far, far majority. This book takes you on the journey to help you find that. 
So I know as an entrepreneur, you've done a lot of sort of self-discovery for yourself and a lot of exploration. Do you think that that's something that everyone needs to do if they're going to be running their own business? I know I certainly need it. There's stuff that constantly needs to be improved on in this soul and spirit and mind. Uh, and so I don't know about everybody, but I know for me, it's, it's constantly a transformational process of life. And every time that I can take it deeper or farther, there's a new discovery. It allows more of me to come out. And less of the projected me that maybe we're all taught to show the world that's worried about judgment or is just going to do things a certain way. I mean, just a few years ago, I was much more blunt when I gave people advice. And I thought I was helping them by just getting to the point. And through a transformational experience I had with Landmark uh, Education, I started to realize how the world hear me, hears me matters equal, if not even more, to what I'm saying. Because if nobody's listening, what I'm saying doesn't mean anything. No. So how is the world hearing me? That was a transformational process that changed. Now, that's not audiences giving you a standing applause and audiences raving about you. That's not. That's different. We're talking about how, how somebody hears you give them feedback or suggestions one-on-one, -on -one, the people in your life, the people you care about, your colleagues, all of that was because of transformational growth. I was able to change that. And that changed my professional relationships and allowed me to be at my true soul versus this harsh person that was being, maybe being seen by people at times. That's not who I was, but I was projecting that. And so having that discovery helped me as a business person, personally, in many different ways. So, Mike, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What's the coolest thing that you're doing in your business right now? Besides having, like, dinner on a farm overlooking a volcano. <laughs> you know, letting my unique ability be in its unique ability while having a team surround me that also is in their unique abilities. So on my team, Rita handles, works with all the clients, handles all the contracts, all the speaking dates, all the logistics. Rita's unique ability, without a doubt, is the incredible gift of customer service. She is one of the best customer service people will ever deal with. How do I know that? Because everybody who deals with her loves her. I, have client, I had a client in Europe that came to the United States, flew through O'Hare, and said, Rita, will you come meet me? Just to sit, meet in person. They didn't want to. They didn't want to have coffee with you. They wanted to have coffee with Rita. No, right. They've had their time with me. They <laughs> wanted to meet with Rita. That's right. Uh, and so, J Joe, my director of initiatives, who's come on board in the last couple months, who just thrives at getting like coming up with a plan and, and fulfilling it all the way. Where I get bored with that, I want the idea generation. She takes it and runs with it. Right. That's her unique ability. She's she's going to get that thing done. She's going to run it. Letting those people all do that allows us the organization to grow, allows us to all be fulfilled and to grow together. And that's priceless. So Mike, we could talk about Mike Domish and the Date Safe Project all afternoon, and it would be fascinating. But I think the best entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. I think they're watching what else is going on in their industry and other industries. So I love to ask my guests, who do you see out there that you think, wow, they're just crushing it? Well, and this is the toughest one for me to answer, not because I don't I can't think of someone. It's which one to share. <laughs> you can share two That's, if you want. Yeah, okay. I can share two. Wonderful. So I'm going to say that Chad Hymas is, is a close, very close friend of mine. And the way Chad has built his business so that if you give Chad an idea, he's not just going to do it. He's going to do it and make it even better. Why don't you tell everybody who Chad Hymas is? So Chad Hymas is one of the world's leading speakers, trainers on safety. 
So a lot of the coal mine industry, the diamond industry, uh, oil rig industry, the industries that are high with safety issues are going to bring him in just all around the world and talk about his his story and sharing how that relates to their lives and living safer lives and being better people for who they are. Uh, And Chad is brilliant at that. And it's chadhymas.com for anybody listening right now. They can check it out. He's got a fantastic book out and a new one coming out, actually, right, like literally in the upcoming weeks here. It's coming out. Uh, And so, and that's going to be a powerful book. Uh, And his personal story is fantastic. And so I don't want to give away too much because I want people to go get the book. So that's Chad. And it's his ability to create a team and, and just get things done and do it at the highest level. So I'll give you an example. Years ago, he was talking about doing a, a high school thing, and I had mentioned something about texting and driving this idea that I had heard. Well, he ran with that. Next thing you know, uh, he's got his whole bus painted with the texting campaign. He's got a sponsor behind it, and they're doing this whole thing. He just took it to a whole other level, and, and that's what he's so wonderful at doing. And that's why when people bring him in, he's an ex- excellent example of – both an idea person and a doer because he, he'll get it done. His team will get it done. And, and once again, it's somebody building a team, right? So you look at him and it's not just him trying to do everything. He's building a team that, and he has had a team that does so much work behind the scenes. So that's Chad. Uh, on the flip side, uh, there's just still uh, Jason Kotecki would be the most recent one. And the reason Jason is, so Jason's an author and he speaks on overcoming adultitis, Adultitis meaning you're still you're stuck in the ways of adulthood and people are taught to behave versus being more childlike and child spirited. And it's an awesome approach to life, to work, to business. What he does with his new book he's got coming out, uh, which is Penguins Can't Fly, and then it's not a rule. Okay, so in other words, people say that, but the cover is a penguin flying because it's uh, tied on to a balloon that's raising up in the air, uh, and it's a red and it's a red balloon. It's an awesome cover. It's a beautifully laid out book. I, I just can't wait to see the whole thing. I've gotten a preview, smaller version, but that's what he did. So what he does is he sends out little preview versions of the book, full color, in extent. I'd say I'm going to guess 30 pages of it, full color, everything in there. Inside is the red balloon. That you see on the cover, right? And just brilliant, brilliant preview copy plus the red balloon. Brilliant branding, brilliant marketing, gets you excited to actually get the book. And so what did I do? I blew up the balloon. I took a picture with me and the preview book and the balloon. And I'm telling the whole world, go pre-order his book. What's, tell now, us again I'm, what his book is called and where people can get it. So I, I, penguin, penguins, duh, penguins. <laughs> Don't fly or can't fly. Let me just double check because I'd hate to to get it wrong here uh, because I'm a little spaced out from um, from all the travel and the jet lag, so I might be a little <laughs> off here. But it's either penguins can't fly or penguins don't fly. I think it's can't. Uh, and that's Jason Kotecki, just like it sounds, K-O-T-E-C-K-I. And actually, the website is kimandjason.com. So K-I-M and Jason. So A-N-D, Jason, J-O-A-S-O-N.com. You'll absolutely find the book there. Well, and and I know both Chad and Jason, and actually they're both people I want to have on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So you bring up two very interesting people as your examples, because hopefully down the line I'll interview both of them right here on the show. And knowing both of them, I'm sure they're going to love to be on your show. So Mike, the last question I ask everybody is, in addition to being great observers, I think entrepreneurs like to give back to the greater good. Now, the Date Safe Project unto itself 
is a way that you're serving, you know, humanity because you're certainly helping people with a, with a tough topic. But what do you do to give back? For me, it's a couple things. Uh, for me, it is helping out where I can in my kids' lives, donating my time, whether it's helping manage a team or helping an assistant coach to a team, giving back that way uh, in youth sports over the years. Now, my kids are getting older, so there's a lot less opportunities for that. Uh, and so the other way that I've always loved is if somebody reaches out to me, whether they're a speaker or an entrepreneur, and they have an idea, or they want to sort of say, hey, what do you think about this? I love going deep with people. I love going deep and saying, let's talk about that. Let's see how you're doing that. And just trying to give everything I can to help them go into their passion as much as I'm able to. And that's one thing that I've learned. You know, you have to you have to make sure you set boundaries for yourself in that world or somebody can really sort of drain that, that love of that energy of giving back away from you. So I've learned how to set boundaries and just say, hey, I'm, I'm happy, happy to give you this little kickstart here with all these questions. And, and but you got to take it from there. But I'm happy to sit down and do a little exploration if that helps in any way. And that's something that I find that I love doing. And it makes sense, right? Because what's my unique ability? Creating aha moments that uncover discoveries. So if I can sit down with somebody in a conversation, watch them have an aha moment, and then watch them uncover the discovery, and then they dive into it, it's a high. So so you're able to give to somebody else, and you get the high that you love being able to do in life. Win-win. Well, that's fantastic. Mike, thanks so much for joining me via Skype to record this interview all the way from Italy. Thank you very, very much for being a guest on the show. Now, if somebody listened and they think, wow, I got to know more about Mike Domish and the Date Safe Project, how do they find you? Well, the cool thing is our website is datesafeproject.org. So you want to go on a date, you want to feel safe, and you don't want to feel like it's a project. Datesafeproject.org. And they'll find everything they could on us if they want. If they want to find us on Facebook and hook up with us there, they go to facebook.com slash datesafe. So date safe, like the page, and they can just look me up too. Uh, my name's a little difficult, so I would suggest going to one of the other websites and finding it first. Because Domish is, is not spelled anything like it looks. Why don't that's you spell, correct. It's Mike. Why don't you spell it? Because I'll mess okay. it up. Do, I want everybody to think for a second. It's Domish. Now, spell Correct. D as in David. O, M as in Michael. I, T as in tomato. R, Z as in zebra. Domish. Yeah, that's because that spells Domish, I'm sure. I've known you for several years. It took me like it took me like three of the four years I've known you to be able to pronounce your last name. Mike Dimitris? And people are like, I don't, exactly. know who, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm like, yeah, the date safe guy. And they're like, it's awesome because you always know a salesperson phone call because they can never get your name right. <laughs> well, and you know, at the end of the day, what do you want? You want people to talk about you and we're talking about it right now. <laughs> thank you very much once again for being on the show. And for those of you who tuned in to listen, as always, thank you very much. Come back in a couple days. We'll have another very interesting guest. And in the meantime, go on out there. Have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.